0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Great morning, New Life. It is a great morning. You guys are, you're the ones. You're awake, you're ready to go, you're taking on the day, uh, probably because you have young kids who no one told them, you know, so they just kept on waking up and... Um, I am so glad to be here with you. I I woke up this morning after an interesting night of sleep, kind of ups and downs. Our son decided that last night was a good night to just to explore the, you know, the ins and outs of about 12 to 3. You know, he just thought that'd be fun. And so it was an interesting night. And I woke up this morning and I just thought, wow, what a great day today is to take a, a, a dipstick, an internal thermometer of of how God's Spirit is moving in my life. Am I going to have that peace and joy and patience that God promises to give us as we follow Him? And I feel like springing forward is the perfect day. So welcome to an opportunity to take an internal check. One of the things I love about New Life is I got here this morning and I was just rubbing shoulders with volunteers. Our worship teams, our guest services team, our Kids Life and Construction Zone team, just rubbed shoulders with them all morning. And you know what I heard? I did not hear one complaint out of them all morning long. I'm tired. My kids didn't sleep well. I, I, you know, I can't believe we have to be here. Not one. They were happy. They were ready to engage. And I think that's pretty incredible. I, I just, I told them in our prayer time how thankful I am for them and their desire to serve to you and to serve me as we come to encounter God. And I just want to take a second and thank them. So would you just join me in thanking our teams? Because they do an incredible job. And I'm even more reminded about that as we spring forward today. Just what a—the heart behind their desire to serve, to serve us and to serve you, and ultimately to take down every barrier so that we can come and encounter God today. What an incredible thing that is. Well, when you came in this morning, you should have grabbed a program. If you didn't grab one, you're going to want to get one. They're in the back. We're going to be using it a lot today. So if you didn't grab a program, go ahead and grab one at some point. Inside are two things you're going to need right now. This card that says start here, you're going to want to fill that out because we're going to use it as the morning goes on together. So name and email address is fine. Uh, if you're new with us, please know we aren't going to abuse that information. We just want to help you connect. Connect to the church connect to the ways that we're serving in our community and connect to to God when that time comes and you're ready to do that. So go ahead and fill that out. And then these teaching notes are just going to give you the Bible verses that I'm using today, some fill-in-the-blanks, some ways for you to take this home and to look at it as uh, your week goes on, because our hope is that your faith is not something that happens for an hour and five minutes on Sunday morning, but it's something that permeates every area of our lives. And this is just one more tool to help us do that. As I was preparing for this brand new series that we're calling Uncaged, freedom to follow wherever God leads. As I was preparing for this uh, message this morning, something really struck me, and it is uh, just how unique the human mind is. The complexities and the ins and outs of the human mind. Think about this with me for a second. Our minds work in such a way that when new stimulus is brought into our consciousness, when we, when we experience something new for the first time, it heightens our senses, it heightens our awareness. Uh, for example, I can remember my first day of junior high like it was yesterday. I remember the shirt I wore. It was a, a red Stussy shirt, the real one, not the fake one. And if you're a product of the 80s, you know the difference. You know, my friends would check tags is a little scarring, but this was my real Stussy shirt that I wore that first day. Uh, I remember walking down the halls. I remember the teachers that I had. I remember the smells. I can't tell you hundreds of days that passed in junior high, but that first day when those new stimuluses were introduced into my mind, it just, it heightened my awareness. And maybe you've had similar experiences, like when you got a puppy for the first time. Do you remember that? And and wow, it was like everything that puppy did was so great. And in time, you just wanted to just be there with the dog, and it's like, oh, look, it's it's making poopies, and oh, that's so fun. It's, you know, look at it, it's biting on our, our chair, oh, that's really cute, you know. And and you had these things. But then as as time goes on, uh, the puppy becomes a dog, as they generally do, and kind of fades into the background. Because something happens when we first encounter these new stimuluses, it heightens our awareness, but over time, our awareness kind of lessons maybe when you first got married you can remember what your what your bride or, or your groom were what they smelled like on that wedding day and what they looked like as they walked down the aisle and maybe uh, for some of you really good guys you can remember your colors at your wedding you know maybe not um, but it was that heightened stimulus but as time goes on the the wedding day kind of fades and and it kind of goes into the background for those of you who have kids you remember when you first brought home baby and it was like, maybe you had this experience. We had our, our our daughter sleeping in a bassinet next to the bed next to me because I, I knew I could just pretty much fix anything because I'm dad. And so baby sleeping next to me, and I remember I'd be sound asleep, dead to the world. And the baby, Maddie, would just kind of stop breathing for a second like babies do. And all of a sudden, I was wide awake because that soft breath just kind of stopped. My My senses were heightened and everything that our... Our baby did, it was just right there. But then over time, parents you can relate to this, over time that kind of lessens and and we kind of our baby kind of fades into the background. It kinda it's like this video here up on the screen. Take a look. Lewis. 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 Mom. 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 Mommy. 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 Mama. 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 Ma! 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 Mom! 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 Mommy! Mommy! Mama! 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 What? Hi. (laughs) I love that. I love that. isn't that our experience with our kids? Awareness is heightened when they first come in, but then as time goes on, haven't you ever had to say to your spouse, I, I think he's talking to you. I-, I think she's trying to ask you something because it fades into the background. And psychologists actually have a name for this phenomenon. They call it inattentional blindness. They say that when a new stimulus is brought into our consciousness, our, our uh, senses are heightened, but then as time goes on, inattentional blindness sets in and those things kind of fade into the background. And I, I think Helen Keller said, said it best about life when she said this. She said, life is an adventure or nothing at all. Life is an adventure or nothing at all. But when inattentional blindness sets in, we miss out on the unique adventure of life, on the sights and the smells and, and, and the calling and the purpose that we have. And we miss out on the life of adventure that we were created to live. And I didn't realize how true this was in my own life until back in August I ruptured my Achilles tendon. How many of you were around church when that happened? Uh, Yeah, most of you. You had to stare at my feet because I preached like this. And, um, And I realized how much inattentional blindness had affected my everyday life. Because until I ruptured my Achilles tendon and I was in a cast for five weeks and then a walking boot for another three or four, I never realized things like how many muscles it takes to put on a pair of pants. That just kind of faded into the background. But once uh, my senses were heightened by this this new experience I had, I realized things like how many steps we have from our offices upstairs down to the floor in the church. Uh, I became acutely aware of things like how many times I used the restroom on any given day as I was hobbling down the stairs and riding my awesome scooter over to the restrooms. Um, I realized how fast I tend to try to go about life these are things that had faded into the background of life as I got into this routine of living. But when uh, my routine was upset, man, it heightened my awareness to what life was really like. And and inattentional blindness has the opportunity to affect every area of our life, Our, our marriage, our parenting, our jobs, really everything. But the most damaging area that it can affect is our faith. It's our faith. See, when we first put our faith in Jesus, when we transferred our trust from, from our own lives, from our way of doing things, from our way of thinking, from, from our own ability to be good, when we transferred our trust from ourselves over to Jesus, He raised our awareness of spiritual realities. He raised our awareness of His interaction in our life. And, and for those first couple of weeks and months, maybe even that first year, we were acutely aware of God working in every area of our lives. He was, he was healing broken areas. He was restoring relationships. We woke up every day with this unique awareness that God was present, that God was moving, that God had a plan for us individually and then for us as a community as we followed after him. But over time, inattentional blindness sets in with our faith, and, and God begins to kind of fade into the background. And the unique way that he, he speaks to us and guides us and leads us, it has a tendency to kind of become minimized along with our job and our kids and everything else as we go about our routine of life. And I think that's one of the greatest tragedies of this journey of faith that we could have would be that we would get in this routine of life and inattentional blindness would set in and God would somehow fade to the periphery. It's a tragedy for at least two reasons. One, because if that happens in our lives, we miss out individually on that unique relationship that, that God created us to have. We just celebrated communion and communion is about God leaving heaven and coming to earth and creating a way for us to have a personal intimate relationship with our Creator, to walk with Him every day and to know Him and to be guided by Him and inattentional blindness in our faith, it minimizes that. And the other great tragedy is that if we if we push God to the outside, if we lose Him in, in our routine, the world actually misses out on what God wants to do in us and through us. Because God has unique... Um, purposes for each of our lives. He wants us to do certain things that will impact and affect other people that will ultimately change not only people's lives here on earth, but actually change our eternity. And inattentional blindness, it separates us from what God wants to do in me and what God wants to do through me. And so for the next six weeks, as we head up towards Easter, what we're going to do is we're going to be in this series that we're calling Uncaged, and we're going to look at ways to become uniquely aware of God's presence in our everyday lives. Uh, we're going to be experimenting with things, trying things to say, you know what, God, I don't want to push you to the outside. I want to bring you front and center in my life. I want to walk with you. I want to know you. I want to experience life with you. And we're going to do it by looking at six unique cages that keep us bound up from knowing God's plan for our lives, and then from actually following after him. My goal for these six weeks is that I would be able to uh, guide us in a dismantling of these cages that keep us trapped. And we don't even know we're trapped, because because it just kind of feels like our routine, but they keep us trapped from really following God. My goal is that we will reclaim the adventure of what it looks like to really know and follow our creator in this life. One of the biggest causes, I think, and this is where we're going to start today, one of the biggest causes of inattentional blindness is just simply routine. It's just life. We we can't escape life. We can't change Uh, What we have to do, we all get 24 hours, except for today. Um, Some of you are awake, that's good. Uh, We all get roughly 24 hours to experience life. We can't change the routines we have to do. We have to eat, we have to um, work, we have to raise our kids, We, we, we have to have a relationship with those closest to us. That's just part of life. But inattentional blindness really sets in when our routine turns into a rut. And so I want to help us break out of the cage of routine and break out of the cage of rep because God is in the business of breaking people out of the cage of routine. He has been from the very beginning, and he does it because he wants us to, to give us ways to cure inattentional blindness. The story of the Bible is a story of God encountering people in their everyday routine and breaking them out of that cage so they can really truly follow after him. And we see that over and over again in the Old Testament, and especially in the life of a man named Moses. And I want to talk about Moses this morning. If you're new to to the church, if you're new to faith, Moses was an Old Testament man who lived. uh, He was raised in Egypt when he was an Israelite. And when the Israelites were in slavery under the Egyptians, he was raised at that time. Egypt was the ruling superpower. Moses was born. Moses, through a uh, set of circumstances, came to be raised by Egyptian royalty. So he had all the perks in life for the first— 30 or 40 years, he was raised as Egyptian royalty while his people, the Israelites, were in slavery under Egypt. And then at about 40 years, he was out one day and he was kind of surveying what was going on and his people were enslaved. And he broke up a fight between an Egyptian and an Israelite. And in the process of breaking up that fight, he killed the Egyptian, which made him an outlaw in Egypt. And so he fled to the wilderness. And he, he met a, a man who took him into his family Gave him one of his daughters. He married this daughter, and Moses became a shepherd. And then he was a shepherd for about 40 years. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. Moses has been a shepherd for 40 years. And here's what a shepherd does a shepherd takes out their flock, they feed them, they water them, they bring them back in. The next day, they take out their flock, they feed them, they water them, they take them back in. Rinse and repeat, seven days a week, no day off, no vacation. You're not going to Disneyland, you're taking out your flock. You're feeding them, you're watering them, you're bringing back in. And right in the middle of this routine, as Moses has been doing this year after year after year for close to 40 years, God breaks into the story. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 1, we pick it up. It says that Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, who was the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there an angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Verse 3 says, So Moses thought to himself, I'm going to go over and, and see what this strange sight is. Why the bush is not burning up. And then don't miss what happens in verse 4. When the Lord, when God saw that Moses stopped his routine and, and went over to look, that he'd gone over to look. Then God called to him from within the bush. He said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am, God. Moses has been doing this for close to 40 years, every single day, taking out the flock, making sure they're fed, making sure they're watered, bringing them back in. He is firmly planted in his routine, in his everyday life, and can you imagine what it must have been like for Moses? He, he was raised in Egyptian royalty. He probably felt like he had every opportunity to do some incredible things in life. But then through a circumstances of events, this tragedy happens. He kills an Egyptian. He, he has to flee for his life. And then he spends 40 years in the wilderness. And I can only imagine that at some point he felt forgotten by God. Like God had saved him, rescued him for a purpose. But then as this routine of life went on, he had to start thinking, where's God in this process? And then God shows up right when Moses is doing his everyday job, because God is in the business of showing up in the midst of our everyday work, in the midst of our everyday lives, if we are looking for him. I think some of us live under the illusion that God only speaks to us when we're on these kind of high, high experiences, when we're on a a mission trip, or when we're, um, you know, away at a retreat for the weekend. But that's not the way that God speaks. God speaks to us on a regular basis if we are looking for Him. And that's what God wants to do for you. He wants to reveal Himself to you all the time. The Bible says that as you were sleeping last night, God was actually preparing this day to walk with you in it. Let's continue on in verse 5. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said to him, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of the slave drivers. I am I'm concerned about their suffering. And I've come down here to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the the Jebusites. Verse 9, he goes on to say, And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And I I don't want us to miss how active God is. Notice starting in verse 7, all of the active action works that God does. God says, I've I've seen the misery of my people. I've heard them crying out to me. I've come to them to be their rescuer. He goes on to say in verse 9, the cry of the Israelites has reached me. They've been praying to me and their words have come up to me. And so I'm going to send you because I'm concerned about my people. And I want to just pull over to the side of the road here for a second and and talk to you if you're here this morning and you feel like God has forgotten about you. You you feel like you've been crying out to God, you've been calling to God, and he just doesn't seem to respond. I want you to know that what God says about the Israelites in in Exodus chapter 3 is true about you. That God hears your cries. That God is concerned about your life. That God wants to lead you and rescue you and guide you in such a way that you would say that it's only God who's doing it. And I want you to know, if you feel very alone today, you're not. You're you're just not. For one thing, you're surrounded by a group of people who care about you, who want to walk with you on this journey. But even more importantly than that, you're, you're hearing about a God right now who loves you with an incredibly deep love, who counts every hair on your head, who knows every thought that you think, who knows every word that you speak, and who loves you and desires to walk with you in life. As we continue on the story, you know what really strikes me about this interaction that Moses has with God by the burning bush is that Moses had been doing the same job for 40 years. And I kind of wonder if God ever tried to get a hold of him before this, but the routine of life just kind of kept Moses going in a straight direction. See, I think God was was doing everything he could to get Moses' attention because he wanted to use Moses to do something great in his life, to break him out of this cage of routine. And one of the things he does is, I don't know if you caught this, he says, Moses, take off your shoes for this is holy ground. And I think that's actually telling. So, A week ago Wednesday, I was writing this sermon and I thought to myself, what would it look like to take off my shoes and just to kind of be more aware of my surroundings? And if you remember, a week ago Wednesday, it was pouring down rain. I mean, cats and dogs. So I did because I'm kind of weird. Uh, It was Wednesday morning. I'm in my office. I just took my shoes off and I left them off for 24 hours. And it was a really interesting experience. Um, I learned a lot of things in taking off my shoes for that 24 hours that I want to kind of unpack with us a little bit. But but you know what I got more than anything was I got to understand a little bit of what Moses must have been feeling. As he took off his shoes, he broke out of the routine of everyday life, walking through the, for, through the desert as a shepherd, and he became more connected with God. So I want to talk to you about three things that I encountered in my shoes-off life, in my shoes-off day. And then I want to talk to you about why I think God called Moses to take his shoes off. The first thing was that having a shoes-off life caused me to slow down. I have a tendency to go really fast all the time. I'm always running from one thing to the next. I'm always moving. But when I took those shoes off a week ago Wednesday for 24 hours, it made me slow down. Uh, It it made me um, not run anywhere because I didn't want to step on anything that would hurt me. I have a a friend who comes to New Life, and he and I were talking not that long ago, and he said he used to be in a real high-octane, very fast, um, high-profile job, and he said he was driving home from work one day, and he just decided he was going to slow down, turn off his radio, take his, his, um, his Bluetooth out of his ear, and just ask God if God wanted to guide him in any way. And he did it on the way home from work one day, and he said he so clearly sensed God saying, and it wasn't an audible voice, but it was an impression inside of him. And if you've ever had one of those experiences, you know what that feels like to, to have God impress something upon you. He say God impressed something upon him as he, he slowed down and God impressed on him this. You're limiting your effectiveness in your marriage, in your parenting, in your ministry because of this job, and I need you to get out of it. So my friend did. He, he quit that job, and he took a different job where he could still do all the things he needed to do, support his family and that kind of stuff, but he was able to slow down. And my friend said this to me, and I thought it was interesting. He said, he said, I think God— was probably trying to say that to me for about six months, but I never slowed down enough to hear him. Slowing down is key to breaking out of the cage of routine. So God says to Moses, take off your shoes, slow down. We're going to be here for a minute. You're in the presence of God. Don't blow past me. The second thing I learned in my shoes-off life was that having a shoes-off life heightens my awareness to my surroundings. I can tell you this for a fact. I have never been more aware of the cleanliness of our bathrooms at the church as I was when I took my shoes off for the day. That's a true story. It's a true story. They've cleaned them since then. Don't worry. Um, I've, I've never been more aware of, of where I'm stepping and where I'm walking. And is there a rock there? Is there glass there? Is, did someone leave a thumbtack on their ground? I've never been more aware as I was when I took my shoes off. And, um, and that awareness, it really opened my eyes. where I should be going and where I shouldn't be going. I can tell you this, I didn't walk across a broken bottle because I knew having my shoes off meant that I should not go that direction, but I should go this direction. And God says to Moses, take your shoes off because I want to heighten your awareness to how I'm moving in your life. I want to break you out of this routine, and I want you to be more acutely aware of of what I'm doing right now. And when God does that, he he opens up for us to, to, to go in certain directions that he wants to take us, sometimes when we slow ourselves down and we heighten our awareness, God says, I don't want you going in that direction. That's not going to be good for you or good for your family or or good for the plans I have for you. Instead, I want you to go, go this way. How many of you have ever had this experience? You're driving home from work or you're driving home from the store and you get home and you don't actually remember how you got there. You ever had that experience? Let me see, throw them up. Yeah, I call it going on autopilot. It's kind of terrifying, you know, I think one of the great tragedies of the world is when we put our life on autopilot. And we look back at the end of six months or six years or 60 years and we say, I don't actually know how I got from there to here. Talk about a life of regret. But if we're not careful, the cage of routine puts us on autopilot and we actually miss out on God. So God says, slow down. Become aware of what I'm doing in your life, which opens the door to the third thing. Having a shoes-off life Increased my sensitivity, I experienced things that I had never experienced before, like the, the the coldness and the wetness of the rain outside. I experienced the coolness of the early morning as I was taking out the garbage. I experienced uh, the, the floor underneath my feet my toes. I, I just it heightened my, my sensitivity to my physical surroundings, and in the same way, God wants to break us out of the cage of routine to heighten our sensitivity to what His Spirit wants to do in our lives. God is moving. God is speaking. What He wants to do is He wants to wake us up to it. So He invites us to take our shoes off in life, to slow down, to slow down, to become aware of our surroundings, and then to be sensitive to what He's doing. And it wasn't until God broke Moses out of the cage of routine, go out, feed the sheep, water the sheep, bring them back in, repeat. It wasn't until God brought him out of the cage of routine that God was able to use him to do something incredible. God used Moses to free an entire nation of people and then to guide them on a journey. All because he broke him out of the cage of routine. And so I want to try something with us as a church. And it's going to be an experiment that that I would guess the majority of us have never actually done before to try to help us break out of the cage of routine, to help us to slow down, to help us to become more aware of our surroundings, and to help us become more sensitive to God, I want us to do something that's a little bit scary. I want us to fast for 40 days. I want us to fast from something that we would normally do and fast for something that we would ask God to do. And so you can write this down in your notes. From March 10th, which is tomorrow, through April 19th, which is the day before Easter, I'm going to invite our entire church to do a fast. And it doesn't matter to me exactly what you pick, but a fast is basically this. I just want to zoom out for a second. A fast is saying, uh, I'm not going to engage in something that in and of itself is not wrong. Uh, For me, it's sweets. I'm not going to eat sweets for 40 days. In and of itself, sweets are not wrong. But I'm going I'm to disengage with something that by itself is not wrong for the sake of breaking my routine. Because in my life, my routine includes sweets. To break me out of that routine of eating sweets on a regular basis so that every time I want sweets, every time sweets come to mind, every time someone offers me sweets, it, it reminds me to encounter God, to engage with God, and to pray. So I want to give you some ideas of things you could fast from. You could join me in fasting from sweets. I actually started this uh, a few days early because there's some things that I'm praying about. Um, And the day after I started, uh, someone brought a big plate of like these pie bites that looked absolutely delicious with a really kind note. And if it was you, I don't know who it was. If it was you, I loved the note. And my staff loved the pie bites. They loved them. But you know what I did? I looked at those little bites of of sweet, delicious goodness, and it just reminded me to, to engage with God in prayer. And that's the point of a fast, to break out of our routine so that we can engage with God. So you could fast from sweets or, or from music. Turn off the radio in the car. Most of us drive anywhere from five to thirty minutes to an hour a day. Turn off the music in your car. And in that time when you would listen to music, you can simply engage with God or or TV or social media or all media. You could fast from caffeine. You could fast from driving to work and instead ride your bike or take a bus. I, I just want us to break out of routine so that we can regularly engage with God. And then I want to give you some thoughts on things we can fast, fast for or pray for in this fast. Maybe there's a, a relationship in your life that's broken that needs to be healed. That might be a perfect thing to, to engage with God on for the next 40 days, to pray for that, that relationship or that person, that God would heal that, that God would do a miracle. Maybe you've got a loved one or a friend who doesn't have a relationship with God, man, that would be a perfect thing to pray for for the next 40 days, that God would reveal himself to them and they would come to know him. Maybe you need some clarity on a major life decision. What you're going to do after college, or or is this the right job for you long term? Should you get married to a certain person? That'd be a great thing to pray about in this fast. Maybe you need some clarity on your unique purpose that God's given you. Next week, we're going to talk a lot about purpose and the purpose that God has given us uniquely to live out in this world. But maybe you don't know what your purpose is, and you just kind of feel like you're spinning your wheels. Man, that'd be a great thing to pray about for the next 40 days. Maybe there's an area of sin in your life that you just can't seem to break free from. And, and you try, and you say, I'm never going to do that again, but it just keeps coming up, coming up. Man, that'd be a great thing to, f- to pray about. I was going to say fast from, but we should probably just not do that anymore, okay? Not just for 40 days, but like forever. That's a good choice. Um, by the way, you can't fast from sin. Uh, sorry. Uh, hey, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, who, who should I try not to offend? Um, there's so many. It's like, I'm going to offend one of you whenever it's sin that I say. How about this? Um, I'm not going to have an affair for the next 40 days. Okay, that's a good start, but let's like, let's continue that out. Okay, Let, that's not fasting, that's just following God. So don't fast from sin. Fast from something that is not sinful. But maybe you need to fast for that so that you can ask God to break a pattern that is sinful. Does that make sense? I have seen fasting work in my life. Uh, I remember years ago working at the college campus, and we were thinking about doing an outreach to, to try to reach our community. And for years before that, we'd only seen one or maybe two students give their life to Jesus each year in the ministry. And we began to fast and pray about this. And in this time of fasting, I sensed God Uh, revealing to me that 50 students were going to give their lives to Jesus that year, which at that point just seemed insurmountable. I didn't know how that was going to happen. And you know what happened on the last day of school at graduation that year? 49 students had given their life to Jesus. And I thought, that's pretty good. That's pretty good, God. You came came close. And then we had a camp the next week, and you know what happened? One more student gave their life to Jesus. 50 people. From one person a year to 50 people. God... God opened the door through fasting and through prayer, and God wants to do that in our lives. It was not a time of fasting and prayer two years ago that they, they God impressed upon me that he was going to move me into the lead pastor position of the church, that he was going to move me up. And so in times of continued fasting and prayer, I took that to Ron, uh, and he's our, he's our founding pastor, by the way. If you haven't met him, he's an incredible guy. And we talked about it, and we prayed about it, but it was in fasting that God revealed that. God wants to reveal himself to us. Just like we saw in Exodus 3, he... He hears our cries. He knows the desires of our hearts. He wants to be present. He's coming down to meet us. And the question is, would we step outside of our regular routines enough to engage with him? And I want to tell you this, it's not a magic formula. It's not like if you stop eating sweets for 40 days, God's going to do some some miracle in your life. That's not the way that it works. It's simply a chance for us to break out of the cage of routine that we're in so that we can become more aware of God's presence in our lives, so we can encounter Him and we can go to Him on behalf of something that we know is close to His heart. Uh, At 2 o'clock, I'm having a meeting with a group of people who are in senior leadership positions in the church, and I'm asking them to fast specifically for new life. What are the next steps for us as a church? What are the new horizons He wants us to reach? What's God trying to do? Because I think every major church decision should be made through times of prayer and fasting. So I want you to pray for our leadership as well pray that God would guide us in this process, and I'll be revealing more to you about how God leads us as we uh, head into the fall of this year. But I believe that's the way that God wants to move, and that's the way that God wants to work. And so what we did was, and this is why you're going to want to have these um, programs. Inside your program, you're going to see two things. One is a postcard, and I'd love for you to put your address right here on the postcard. You'll see New Life Return address on there, and I'm going to give you a minute to do this in a second. So you can pull it out now, but I'm going to give you a minute with some music to do this in just a second your address on here. And on the back, it says, I'm fasting from, and I'd like you just to write that down. If you don't know what you're fasting from, that's okay. You can take this home and you can drop this in the basket next week. And then it says, during this time of fasting, I'm asking God to. And then I want you to write down specifically what you're asking God to do in that time. And then what I'm going to do is I'm not going to read these. I'm not going to snoop and pry into your business. We're just going to keep these in a folder in my office. And then at the end of our fast, I'm going to mail it back out to you. I'm not going to read it, I promise. I won't snoop through your stuff. But But I want to mail it out to you because I believe God is going to work powerfully in your life. And I want you to have a record of it. I believe that when we come to God, He moves on our behalf. And He acts on our behalf. And so I want to do that just as a simple remembrance of what God's done. So in a minute, we're going to play some music. And I want you to be thinking, what could you fast from? What could you fast for? And then when the baskets are passed, you can just drop this into the offering basket. And I'll take these and I'll I'll keep them in my office and uh, I'll mail it back out to you. By the way, if you don't know what you want to fast for or from uh, and it doesn't come up to you, you can, you can just write that down and you can figure, you can figure it out. You can drop that in the basket next week when the baskets come around. And then the next thing is this, this fasting bookmark, which I'm going to tell you about a little bit more later. But I want to close our time by talking to you if you're here today and you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus. Because all the stuff we're talking about, about prayer and about fasting and about God moving in our lives, um, it's held on a a basic assumption. And this is the assumption, that God created us, that he knows us, that he loves us, but that we have been separated by God because of something that the Bible calls sin. And those are the the destructive patterns that are hurting you and hurting those closest to you and, and that are separating you from God. But we believe that God loved us so much that he left heaven and came to earth to pay the penalty for our sin and to draw us back into his presence. And because he did that, he broke the power of sin in our lives and he opened the door for us to know him. And this whole thing of fasting and prayer, it it, it really can only happen if we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And if you've never said yes to God, if you've never entered into a personal relationship with him, and I'm not talking about your parents' faith or your kids' faith or your spouse's faith, but a, a real Personal relationship with God, where you sense Him moving every day then today 's your day to do that and i 'm going to pray in just a second and i 'm going to give you a chance to say yes to him to commit your life over to him to start this journey with him so would you join me let 's pray together right now and then we 'll continue on together lord we are we 're stepping out as a community today, and we 're trusting a few things we 're trusting that you that you are present, God, that you are actively working in this world. We're trusting that you're not a God who, who set the world into motion and then left us to our own devices, but that you are a God who created the world, who created us, and who is now working actively in our lives and through us to, to, to draw people to yourself and to, to fulfill your purposes in this world. And because of that, we're going to take a step of faith and we're simply going to seek you for 40 days we're just going to lay down something that we don't need that's not wrong in and of itself for the purpose of trying to break out of the cage of routine to 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 wake us up god to the reality that you're present and you're moving as we do that i ask on behalf of my friends in this room i ask that you would continue to reveal yourself faithful that you would move that you would break sin in our lives That you would restore relationships that have been broken, that seem like they're beyond hope. That you would be be inviting our loved ones and our friends into a personal relationship with you as we pray for them and we fast on their behalf. Lord, that you would, for some of us in here, that you would give us clarity in our, our calling and our purpose in life so that we wouldn't just spin our wheels, but that we would know that we are walking with you on this journey and that you're guiding us to do something great. And as we continue to pray, if you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus, you can make that decision right now. You can pray a simple prayer of commitment, and uh, there's nothing magic. It's not a spell. it's It's simply inviting God to be your Savior and your Lord. So if you're ready to make that decision, you can repeat these words. Just whisper them right where you're sitting. You can say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you love me so much that you gave your life on the cross, to pay the penalty for my sin, and that you rose from the dead. And when you did that, you broke the power of sin and death and destruction. So today I say, yes, Lord. Yes, I want to have a relationship with you, and yes, I want to walk with you on this journey. So would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of my sins, Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? And would you show me what it looks like to walk every day from this day forward into eternity? I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you made that decision, praise God. I'm so happy for you. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.